two minutes past seven o'clock and no time to dilly-dally tonight. Got to get right into it. You know the music, though. It's time for Iron Sports. This is 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo and Ira. It's all everyone's been able to talk about. NFL manages to stay relevant all season long, and you're wearing a jersey that I have a feeling you're going to retire after this. Tell us about it, and we'll be talking about it a lot. Yes, I'm wearing the Antonio Brown number 84 jersey. Yeah. I love it. It's one of my favorite jerseys, but I will never wear this again. <laughs> this is it. Final night. Totally retired. Retiring this. it here on Ira on With Sports. the Cordell Stort jerseys and all the old... <laughs> I love when they do when the NFL lets you trade the jerseys in when a player is traded, and I the I think baseball does that or or basketball does it, but I don't think the NFL has. I've never heard of that. Where do, where do you take it to the team store? Well, something where you get to go to the team store and get it back. I, I've never heard of that before. You see, you learn something new every week uh, here on Iron Sports. Another great show as always. We're going to be joined by Doug Plagans. He's your radio play-by-play announcer for the Florida Panthers, talking a little hockey here on Iron Sports. He joins us uh, right about seven forty, seven forty-two. So stick around for Doug Plagans uh, tonight here on Iron Sports. Ira, geez, you always have busy weeks, but this might be the busiest. Where have you been? Well, I've been had busier weeks. I I saw on uh, I went to a, a spring training game uh, between the Nationals and the uh, Red Sox, which was exciting at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches that on Wednesday, and then on Saturday I saw three basketball games in t- in one day in two different states in three different <laughs> venues in six hours, and then on Sunday I flew down here and saw the Heat Raptors game. So I saw four basketball games in. Two st- and three states, I guess, in two days. That that's just absolutely crazy. We're going to cover it all here on Ira on Sports tonight. Um, all right, we got to talk about Antonio Brown. It's all everyone's talking about today. Ira, I mean, we need to backtrack. How did we get here? How did we get to the point that the best receiver in football is leaving the Steelers and heading to Oakland? Not only headed for Oakland, but headed to Oakland for a third round and a fifth round. Crazy. Pick. And considering the Steelers traded last year, Martavius Bryant, a player that was they were wanted to cut, and they trade him for a third round pick to Oakland, mm-hmm. and uh, two years ago, and now the best they can get is a third and a fifth pick, and the Steelers have to eat twenty one million dollars in money, and people have it's to over ten percent of their cap. Yes, it's not it's not just that you're paying the money; it's that the way the Steelers play their signing bonuses, the signing bonuses are guaranteed as like depreciation, amortization, so you still have to pay it even though you're not paying that money, so it takes uh, money out of their cap. It was it's a and then. Look who the greatest winner of this, Antonio Brown, because he got paid another $20 million and he got his contract $30 million worth of guaranteed. So it was totally played perfectly by Antonio Brown. No, absolutely it was. And you're right. They're the two winners in this. And you, you know, you're not uh, loving the way that your Pittsburgh Steelers handled this internally. Um, no, it's, I think this, <laughs> I think you have to, you have to solve, you have to, as much as Lavian Bell and Antonio Brown caused problems and wanted to get paid and wanted, but there had to be a way to handle this better. And you got to appreciate, I keep going back to Phil Jackson when he was the coach of the Bulls and the Lakers, when he dealt with Dennis Rodman and he had to deal with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and somehow got them to win six titles. And then he goes and wins five titles with uh, Shaq and Kobe and those. I mean, that's, what's amazing. I think that there's something the Steelers didn't do right in handling these situations and it's harder now but it certainly did not by any stretch of the imagination this is a complete and utter disaster they've lost their best wide receiver they've ever had uh, for nothing in the in the prime of his career so tell us about this you know a, a relatively unknown kid ira from miami goes to a small school in central michigan well not you know small as far as ncaa terms go um and becomes the best receiver in football 
He was a sixth-round pick. He went to Miami, New Orleans, then he went to Central Michigan. He comes to the Steelers as a sixth-round pick. Not a first, second, third, but sixth. He comes at first year, he he only had uh, 16 catches for 167 yards. He was behind Heinz Ward, Mike Wallace, Antoine Randall, and like three other wide receivers. He was the last of the last, but he did great on special teams. That's in 2010. 2011, he was still behind at Randall left, so he was the third wide receiver on the Mm -hmm. team between Mike Wallace and Heinz Ward. The following year, uh, Ward retires, so it was just Wallace and Sanders and himself there. And uh, he was given a five-year, $42 million contract. People keep saying the Steelers didn't take care. He was given a five-year, $42 million in his third year in the league. They gave him, uh, and because the way they, the, the collective bargaining agreements expired, he was in this weird zone. And he got five years, $42 million. And then he really took off. In 2000, he had um, 66 catches for 787 yards. And then he went through the next six years with over 100 catches, 1,500 yards, touchdowns all over the place. Place and was amazing. And and Mike Wallace went on to Miami and got a huge contract uh, and didn't do so well. Never to be heard from again. Never, never be heard again. But in 2017, they signed him to another contract. He just signed a four-year, $68 million contract with a signing bonus of $17 million. That's 2017. That was two years ago. And it was the highest paid wide receiver in the game. Now, one of the things that hurt him is that Odell Beckham Jr. came and, and signed a monster deal last year. And then I think he was looking by the fact, well, last year, Odell Beckham Jr. signed this big contract Mm -hmm. but even though a year before I had this but he still had three years left on his deal and this was all about respect. He complained about how he wasn't getting respect and whatever, but it was really about the money because they played, Drew Rosenhaus played this perfectly and Antonio Brown played this perfectly because during this trade, they were going to trade into the Bills and he went to Buffalo and said, look, I'm not playing. Like, I want more money. I don't want to play for you. So he actually picked where he wanted to go and he, got, and he picked the team and paid him more. And the Raiders, to give compliment them, is that they realized that they no one else was bidding against yeah, them. Yeah, it was a one-man bidding The Steelers more. are running around saying, we want first-round draft picks. We want a first round. We want a first and second. We we want all these things. Mm-hmm. And Raiders are like, well, we're not competing against anybody else, so we're just going to give you a third and a fifth, and that's going to be it. This is like a, a Madden trade when you're playing against yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> Stuff like this happens. It's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, they're the Raiders are huge winners in this, and you think that this is going to be a, a fit for both of them. Yeah, Amari Cooper was traded last year from the Raiders. He was their star wide receiver. So he was traded last year for a first-round pick from the Cowboys. So that's why the Raiders now have three first-round picks next year. They didn't have to give up any more. They actually have um, like four picks in the top, I guess, 36 picks of the draft. They have played this so well. It's just amazing. And I, it's weird. The, the point for the Raiders is that I am a big fan of Derek Carr. I thought Derek – I had on my fantasy team for two years. I mean, these are players that I had. I had Derek – um, games of the season last year. He was pretty good. He's tw- he's not like 50 years old. He's 27 years old. He was a, ra- a, two, a second round pick three times in the Pro Bowl. And in, in the, the years in the league, he's had like 32 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 28 touchdowns, six interceptions, 4,000 yards every year. Two years ago, he had a. It was like bad, and the start of this year, it was he was in. He was trying to get used to John Gruden, their new coach. But he's really come on and came on at the end of the year. And the type of. Uh, of wide receiver that he likes. Like the year 2016 was a huge year. He had Michael Crabtree, 89 catches for 1,000 yards, and Amari Cooper, 83 catches for 1,100 yards. And I think that's what Antonio Brown, when you watch him and what he does with Ben, is that when the play breaks down, Ben can always take that. He doesn't like run, scramble out, but Ben can always buy that extra He's the hardest or, quarterback in the league. To two tackle. or three yeah. seconds, and you can see when Brown knows that, and Brown comes back to the ball or goes to the other side of the field. Brown, most I think most of the catches Brown has is not on the routes that he runs, but his ability to come back and see 
see Ben's in trouble or Ben could buy another time and Brown knew where to go in the defense and go, especially if they're playing zone, he'd just run and be and say, how in the world is Brown so wide open? Yeah. Because if he can run his route, he's maybe double covered, but everybody stops and then he just cuts and just breaks it off. And they, it was, it was like um, Sandlot football in terms of throwing <laughs> and Derek Carr does the same thing. So I think that's a benefit in terms of Derek Carr will run around, try to make a play and Antonio Brown's going to get open. He, it, it was, it's actually one of the best teams that he could go to. 710, this is Ira on Sports, 95.9, the True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. The voice of the Florida Panthers, Doug Plagans, joins us here on Ira on Sports at about 740. Got a lot to talk about with him as the uh, Florida Panthers try to make their playoff push with the season wrapping up quickly. You know who there's a lot of pressure on in this, Ira? Juju Smith-Schuster. You think he's you know, really happy today to have the team to himself, quote-unquote, be the number one receiver? Or you think he's maybe a little nervous, like, oh, man, I'm going to be getting doubled all the time next year and all that attention is on AB. Well, I think Ben has a lot of pressure, too, on him. Yes. And, and this is – and Tomlin and the team, because if they go 5-11 and 11 next year, there'll be oh, a disaster. It's, it's not going to be good. <laughs> um, Juju, first year, he's only 22 years old. First year, he was 58 catches for 900 yards. Last year, one of the greatest years for a 22-year-old, uh, he had 1,400 yards, 111 catches, uh, just plays tremendous, great hands, fast, can do, can run every route out there. He's one of the greatest uh, young wide receivers I've ever seen. Um, the Steelers have had a history of letting wide receivers go. Mike Wallace, as we've mentioned before, um, he he was like he was a, an a all pro and had seventy two catches, mm. twelve hundred yards in two thousand twelve, and they let him go to the Dolphins. And there's oh the guy way long past was Yancey Thigpen in nineteen ninety seven. I remember that he was he, he signed this huge contract with Tennessee and never to be heard again. Yeah. So. They, they have, but this is a little different. I, a lot of pressure is on James Washington. James Washington was drafted. I'm the eyeing him in every fantasy seventh, league. He was the seventh wide receiver taken last year in the second round. And what's interesting is last year he only had 16 catches for 217 yards. If you think of what I told you about Antonio Brown and about even Heinz Ward, his rookie year, Heinz Ward had 15 catches for 246 yards. So it's not, un, it's not unusual for a rookie wide receiver not to have 100 catches for whatever. It's very rare. You know, I mean, Calvin Ridley overperformed all my expectations this year. Rookie running back, sure, but receivers, no. Right. You know, you're missing, you know, Plaxico Burris, Randall L. Sandler. These guys are a wide receiver factory. And if I was anything, if I'm the Steelers front office, that'd be my one, um, you know, consoling or saving grace here is that James Washington was a stud, too. And all we do is draft great receivers. So hopefully, you know, we have another diamond in the, not, I shouldn't even say diamond in the rough. He's highly touted, but hopefully James Washington can be the juju and juju moves into AB. Right. In 2017, Washington was the Blitnikoff Award winner. So he's the top wide receiver in college football. He looked, again, I saw, I watched him last year. He had some drops. The one play where he jumped for the ball when he didn't really have to jump. It was real funny when he jumped up to try to catch the ball and he didn't really have to jump. (laughs) But he's had some weird plays, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on him, a lot of pressure on Juju, and a lot of pressure on Ben. And also, uh, terms of Tomlin, in terms of how to make this offense go, because the Steeler defense isn't that great a defense, but in that they counted the fact that they're going to score 30 points a game. And now this offense doesn't look like an offense that's going to score 30 points a game. Um. Let's talk about you know some of the other free agent moves. Um, you know I'm a big Giants fan. Landon Collins today signs a massive deal, and I think that the collective Giants fan base, at least the ones who know what they're talking about, let us a sigh of relief. Let this be the Redskins' problem. He's great player at run stop. He's not he's not a two dimensional safety, and he signed a massive deal. And if anyone loves overpaying talent, it's the Washington Redskins. I mean they have paid year after year after year uh, some of the craziest contracts, but. 
one of them's going to have to work out. It's one of the <laughs> So this could be it. But six years, 84 million, 45 million guaranteed for a player the Giants didn't really want. So I think that's that sort of says what it is. It, they love um, they love scooping up the NFC East discards. They, they've always done it and they always pay and they always pay too much. Um Let's talk about some of the other free agents that are moving around. Some of these, um, you know, things were known going in that they were going to happen. Did NFL even care about tampering? Uh, t- um, the one guy, the lineman for uh, Oakland, was signed nine minutes after midnight. Um, tell us about some of the other free agent uh, acquisitions or moves or well, rumors. Trent Br- the, the Raiders gave— Yes, not Trent only, Brown. Yeah, Trent Brown. So not only did the Raiders today get Antonio Brown, but they traded for Trent Brown, for, they traded, but signed from the Patriots, and they gave him the largest contract uh, for an offensive lineman in the history of the NFL. So they're really— trying the Raiders are one remember one more year in Oakland next year in Vegas in a two billion dollar stadium um, John Gruden they're paying ten million dollars to be the coach uh, they had a, a bad year last year but they're they're gonna go try I mean they, they're 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 trying to figure this out and that's why there's some thought that they would try to go after Lavian Bell because they don't really have a running back you know I'm hearing that the um the leader right now in the Le'Veon Bell sweepstakes is the Jets. I don't know if you've heard this, but I think this could happen. The Jets, I don't think it'd be the worst landing spot. I mean, the Jets is a place where careers go to die, so to, so to speak, but I think that that might actually work, and he would immediately go to being the face of that team. You know, Sam Darnold is what he is, but everyone's going to be talking about Le'Veon Bell. Well, Steeler free agents signing for the Jets have not done well. Neil O'Donnell was, I was seeing something on the NFL Network, he was voted the third worst free agent signing of all time. Really? So when Neil O'Donnell was the quarterback of the Steelers and went to the Jets and yeah. it was a disaster. And then also San Antonio Holmes, you picked uh, the Jets mm. picked him up. So that didn't work out. It's well another either. receiver that you guys drafted <laughs> that, that worked that well for you and just doesn't do anything anywhere else. It's Iron Sports 9590 True Oldies Channel 715. I'm Mike Balsamo. All right, Ira, let's switch gears to the NCAA. You'd mentioned three games, two states, one day. What was the first game? Well, Mike Isolino, who's going to be on our show next week, who is the assistant coach at Robert Morris, um, they were playing Fairleigh Dickinson. The one thing is a lot of these tournaments you'll see on TV, uh, most, a lot of these small conference tournaments, these are teams that go into the NCAA, but there's 350 teams in Division One. They started their tournaments last week, and uh, Robert Morris won their first round game, and then they were playing Fairleigh Dickinson to go uh, in Fairleigh Dickinson, Hackensack, New Jersey, to go to the finals, which would be Tuesday night. But of course, that unfortunately, they lost. So it was an amazing game. It was 66-62, and uh, it was fun. Fairleigh Dickinson has a player called Mike Holloway. He looks exactly like Zion Williamson. He's actually 6'8", 280, which is what Zion mm-hmm. is listed to. Now, Holloway is a really good player, and it just makes you appreciate Zion even more because Holloway is just a big player who plays well, and he's active, but he doesn't have the explosiveness. And when you watch Zion Williamson play with the explosiveness, you're like, wow. I mean, that's because Holloway is a good player. He had 10 points, 8 rebounds. Um, but it was – Robert Morris was up by 10 points with 12 minutes to go and the one thing that you see in these pl- in these uh, playoffs games and, and also the tournament games the defense is very intense so you're going to see a lot of there's a thing called back doors where players are because we go, they're going to overplay on defense and let some easy baskets go because during the regular season they play hard defense but in the playoffs people are just in the tournament they're just overplaying their defense and sometimes that's the smart the wrong thing to do because everybody's overplaying if you have five guys overplaying someone's just going to go yeah. right to the basket and get a dunk um, what else happened in this game? You said they had a, a nice little lead with 12 minutes to go. They, they, it was weird at the end of the game. 60. It's one of those games where these players, it was weird. There was uh, three players on Robert Morris were seniors. They're three of their key players. Three players on Fairleigh Dickinson there have been together for four years. So this is a little bit different than the one and dones. These guys have been playing for four years together in the same team. And so when they were down, you see Fairleigh Dickinson, when they're down these points, they, they just knew how to, I mean, they were, and, 
diving all over the court. I mean, this is they, everyone realized this could be the last college game they played, and it was very exciting. But it's unfortunately, Rob Morris had a chance right at the end, and they they lost by four. But it was it was it came down to the next to last possession. Isn't that one of the? It's one of the things I've always loved about college sports is is what you just said there that there's a lot of guys that know this. If we lose, it's the last game I ever play. You know, it, it's really you could see the intensity in these kids' eyes knowing that it's you know go big or go home right here in this scenario um so then you uh, hopped in your car and headed down i-95 <laughs> it went down 95 to temple so we had fran duffy on two weeks ago and he's coaching a temple against uh ucf university of central florida and we had him on the show talking about actually the game uh this was a big game for temple because temple was on the bubble for the if they would not win the tournament of the american conference but if they somehow lose in the first or second round of the tournament that would they still get an at-large bid? And they had to really win this game to get in that. And they and it was they had a great win. I mean, it was tremendous. They won 67-62, and it was 10,000 people there. Everyone said it was Fran Duffy's last home game because he's retiring at the end of this at the end of this year. And it was great. During the breaks, they had Mike Chesky, Greg Popovich, all the coaches would would uh, mm. give tributes to Coach Duffy on the big screen. And uh, they didn't do anything special. They didn't give anything, but it was really nice. At the end of the game, they had all these players. It might be and like 200 players, ex-players, like waiting to meet him as friends and That's family. Cool. And it was a great win for him. Uh, it was interesting for Central Florida because Taco Fall is their 7'6 player. He's 7'6". He's not only one of the tallest basketball players, he's one of the tallest people on the planet. <laughs> he's 7'6", 23 years old. He moved to America when he was 16 and only went to play soccer, not basketball. But then he started tr- living with Ben Simmons, training with Hakeem Olajuwon. And this past year, he averaged 11.7 rebounds. He should be playing in the NBA next year. Not a superstar. Star, but he's just learning the game so he's enormous i mean he's uh it's just he's at his arm span is eight feet four inches he he's a 10 foot five reach so he can dunk the ball on flat footing <laughs> which he did during the game and he's also smart he's a 40 gpa 95 f- f- percentile sat um and it was great to see it was fun to see him he got in foul trouble in the game but uh, the star for central florida is audrey dawkins he had 36 points 11 rebounds and central florida and temple these teams when you look at, i'm telling you Houston, Central Florida, Cincinnati, uh, Temple. If they're playing someone like uh, uh, some of the a major, like you know, a better team in terms of these conferences, uh, even Syracuse got in to the tournament. I'm picking those guys over them because mm-hmm. they 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 play so hard. They, as Coach Duffy said uh, last week on the show, they play hard. The game was really intense. Dawkins is just making big shot after big shot. I mean, they're down like by nine with a minute to go, and Dawkins is just getting steals and and, and hitting threes. It's a very exciting game. Um, your exciting afternoon is going to uh, continue from here. So what happens next? Well, then I had, the, unfortunately, the Penn played Brown. I went to University of Pennsylvania. I know Coach Donnie, who he's been on our show before. Mm-hmm. So Penn was playing Brown to get in. Now, this was their last regular season game, but it was one of those, they, the Ivy has a, a tournament with the top four teams get in their tournament. So the only way to get in the tournament is to be one of the top four teams, mm-hmm. and Penn and Brown were tied for that fourth position. So this was a technically a playoff game. And so Penn, and I love watching, it's, there's no better venue for any other sport to watch any sport anywhere but the plestra you love the plestra it's it's just i just the sound of the plestra you feel like you're back in like the 20s like listening to sound and and it's so there's not a bad seat in the house and uh it was it was just great and penn has this player aj brodeur who's old school he's a center back to the basket type player um and everyone still shoots threes all the time but he has some great moves around the basket so it was exciting to see that but it was a it was a good win for penn and now they're going to play the ivy league tournament on friday night uh for a chance to make it to the NCAAs. 
Um, so let's talk about some of the rest of the NCAA here now, Ira, because this is it. It's make or break time. Like you said, some conference, uh, some conference tournaments have already started. So, you know, what are you looking at as we wrap up the uh, regular season here? Some teams, it doesn't matter. As I, I've said, you know, some of these teams that are in the tournament, they lose in the in the first round. It doesn't matter their seed. So what? Their seed goes down one or two positions. But if they get some rest, they don't get injuries, then that's great. I mean, you don't want to see teams get injured. But some teams, like Lipscomb. Lipscomb is a team that was going to probably be a, a fairly high seed in the tournament. And high, high mean like 11, but they lost to Liberty. And now they're not, probably not going to make the tournament. So you're going to look at some of these tournaments, like Wofford plays tonight. Mm-hmm. If Wofford beats, I think, NC Greenboro. P- Wofford's been ranked in the top 20 this year. I mean, teams like Nevada, teams like uh, Houston have been that you probably are like, they're not a major school, but they do. Uh, Buffalo has been up like that. So it's really, I mean, Virginia, I think the really Virginia Duke and, and uh, UNC, three ACC teams are the three best teams in the country. I, I've watched them all and I know I'm biased because I like Duke, but Duke, I mean, Duke is now they're saying it'd be a two seed because Zion's been mm. out. They barely beat Wake Forest in um, an amazing game. Wake Forest came down and at the, had a last second shot where the ball was in the basket. I've never. It's like somebody put their hand underneath the basket and pumped the ball up. Otherwise, they would have lost a wake. Mm. Then they lose to, to North Carolina by nine without Zion. But now they're a totally different team with Zion yeah. Williamson. So it's. It, I, I don't know why they'll they'll be a number two seed. But I don't think they want to make three ACC teams be number one seeds. But UNC looks. They look. Do great. you think the ACC? tournament's going to decide that if duke get wins it they'll be a one seed yeah. uh, but if duke doesn't win it they'll probably be the two seed i mean virginia everyone likes virginia now I mean, virginia last year was the number one seed going the tournament they were upset by umc in the first round this team looks better than even last year's team looked so Crazy. i mean they beat syracuse at syracuse by 26 points they beat louisville by five this week um duke did duke didn't look well duke didn't, didn't look good against unc at all i mean they lost by nine i was trying to watch that when i was at the pen game and uh, it was just a bad they're just i think just waiting for zion to come back but kentucky's played well i mean sneaky they're for they're the fourth seed i mean they should be they'll be the other number one seed they beat mississippi by four they beat florida by nine uh michigan state's playing well now they beat nebraska and michigan this past week texas tech there's a team no one talks about watch Jarrett culver for them oh he is tremendous he's going to be an excellent nba player and i like they beat iowa state by 19 they won nine straight games Tennessee, Grant Williams is their star. We've talked about them. They've been they were ranked number one for almost a month, but they're still in the mix. And LSU, so LSU, they they beat Florida and they beat Vanderbilt. And their coach now is probably on leave for the rest of the year because he was caught on tape uh, talking about potentially paying a recruit, Will Wade. So it'll be interesting. I don't think LSU has much of a chance. But then you have Michigan, Houston, and then Florida State, another ACC team down here in Florida, and then uh, in the Big Ten, Purdue and Nevada. I mean, there's there's a lot of teams that are that if if there's a lot of teams that have a chance to win this tournament. You're listening to Iron Sports, 95.9, the True Oldies Channel, 724. I'm Mike Balsamo. Doug Plagans of the Florida Panthers joins us uh, here in just about 18 minutes. I can't wait to uh, hear from him everything going on in the NHL as we start to wind down that season and the playoffs are being formed. But uh, we're going to find out the playoff scenario a little bit sooner uh, here in the NCAA. So how do you think this shakes out, Ira? Um, you know, for the le- you know, it's always... Selection Sunday is always a great day for me. So how do you think this shakes Well, I out? think you have to look at – right now, they, they most of the people have St. John's in, which I don't think they are in. Texas, Florida, and Temple. Florida's been losing some games. So people down here are going to be really interested to see if they're sort of on that bubble. St. John's, Texas, Florida, Temple. And then NC State, TCU, Clemson, Ohio State. The, the, these are teams that they're going to be talking about. I mean, we talk about seeding all the time and draws and those things, but I think the thing that most people are interested in is who got in and who didn't get out. Because you play in the NIT, it's completely different than playing in the NCAA. Yeah. 
Okay. And then remember, they take the top four teams that are the last four teams in as at-large teams. That means they win a conference and they put them in and they have to actually play each other in a playing game on Tuesday and Wednesday before the tournament. So they have to play like another extra game and uh, Connecticut won the title doing that one time. So it's not impossible. <laughs> the uh, Kemba Walker team did. And then... Um, and then they also take the last four teams that get in. Four of those teams have to play each other in one of the play, playing games also. But uh, Lipscomb is probably out. Georgetown, St. Mary's, Furman, uh, Indiana, which is almost a 500 record, but has some big wins there. They're on the bubble too. So it'll be interesting to see when you see these teams. If you see a team like NC State have a nice run or Florida State, that might get them in. Mm-hmm. Florida really needs to maybe win a game to get to make sure they're comfortable getting in. Ohio State needs to win a game. Indiana probably needs to win two games to get in. These teams are playing for their lives to get in the NCAA. For these other teams, it doesn't really matter so much. All right, let's switch gears to the <laughs> NBA. Um, as if your weekend wasn't hectic enough, you made it over to American Airlines Arena uh, yesterday to see uh, um, Toronto come to town, and you think that this Raptors team is really a force to be reckoned with. I've seen Milwaukee live. I've seen now Toronto twice. I think, and I, I've seen Boston. I've seen them all. I think Toronto's the best team. And what they're doing with Quali Leonard is <laughs> crazy because I was hoping to see him play but now he's only playing he's not hurt it's called load management he's 27 it's years very old weird. he's 27 years old and Especially- he's only going to play 60 games this year or less than that and it's for load he's only plays two games and takes a game off uh, he's only he he for the last since the all-star break he's played like 10 games do you think this is a ploy to get him to stay like we'll take it easy on you because typically we know we've seen this happen in other sports when you know a guy's a rental you beat him into the ground cc sabathia pitched like 900 innings <laughs> one year for the brewers uh you know how do you think you know what do you think the strategy is here right? i think the strategy is they're trying to keep him rested there he might have some lingering problems remember he sat out all last year for san antonio so there could be some injury issues um they're gunning for the playoffs they're the number two seed right now with behind Milwaukee. Um, but they are tremendous. I, 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 first of all, they, Pascal Siakam, I've talked about him before. He is mm-hmm. t- from New Mexico. He's 23 years old. He had 20 points. He, he, his first year, he had averaged four points a game, seven points a game. This past year, he's at 16. He's someone who I think is going to be a 25-point-a-game scorer. He has, he has the entire complete game. He's, he drives, dunks, defense, shoots the threes. He's tremendous. Uh, Serge Ibaka, people think, is, oh, he's 35 years old. Serge Ibaka's on this team. He's 29. Serge really? Ibaka had, I, I thought Serge Ibaka was old. At 10 points, eight rebounds, three blocks. He plays great. Danny Green from San Antonio, who's won titles when remember had the mm-hmm. Heat, when he played, won two titles against the Heat for San Antonio, or one title against the Heat for, when he played for the there for San Antonio. He has five for eight from threes. Patrick McCaw comes into the game from Golden State, who's played on the Golden's last two Golden State teams. He had three for three from threes. OJ Anobi, who's this other player who's aggressive, shoots threes. Norman Powell was three for five from threes. And then Kyle Lowry, who there's parts of the game I'm watching Lowry play. He's a point guard. He played at Nova. And you're like, he's not that good. And then he starts to play and drive. And he had ends up with 24 points, 6 for 11 from threes, 10 assists. was tremendous. I mean, he totally outplayed everybody from the Heat. And you're looking at this team. They're so deep. They're deep. They're players. Everybody can shoot. Like, don't show up on this team if you can't shoot. Even Mark Gasol, who's the center they brought in, mm-hmm. he can shoot threes. So they play hard. They play. I think this team's going to go to the finals. I mean, I go to the finals every year. I think I'm going to have to go to Toronto. I've never, <laughs> I've never been there so i think but i think they're gonna they'll beat milwaukee they'll beat boston they'll beat philadelphia never been to toronto 
Never. Uh, see, that's a city that that I love. You get to dust <laughs> off that passport because that that'll be uh, that'll be really fun. Tell us about how the Heat look because this team we talk about it every week. I I never know what team is going to show up night tonight, but this seems more like what we've been getting in this game. Well, they're they're right now they're thirty one and thirty five. Uh, there's 16 games to go. They're 18 and a half back. The Magic are 19 and a half, and Charlotte's 19, 19 games back. It, they're it, all these teams are terrible. I mean, the Heat have not played well. The Magic haven't played well, and they're better than Charlotte and and the and the Orlando. But they better start winning some games. Like they're they they have to play Detroit and Milwaukee and Charlotte in a row. Detroit's playing great right now. Mm. Then they play Milwaukee at home and Charlotte. They don't win two of those three. Then they go on the road. Charlotte, they're fighting with right. They're fighting and and, and then they go on the road against Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Milwaukee. So they better start yeah, winning some games. That's not a fun stretch. Uh, Dwayne Wade looks fantastic. I mean, he played 21 minutes. He was 7 for 12, 15 points. He had some great dunks. I mean, he really has had this great. I mean, I wish this year they would, the team would be better. But when I see how well Dwayne Wade's playing, I'm thinking, boy, the Cavaliers could have used him. We said this on the show before. I don't know why the Cavaliers traded him last year. They needed him in the finals. He does have that good 25 minutes in a game. And, mm. and he's the type of person at the end of the game you'd love to have take that last shot. He was, he's played great. Justice Winslow has improved a lot over the last like month. And now you can see he's running the point for them. They're using him. They're really counting on him. Josh Richardson's sort of taking a step back, and he's not playing. So they can't get everybody playing at Never. the same way. Never happens. But they like Bama Bio. He's sort of taking the white side position, so he starts. Whiteside comes off the bench, only plays 18 minutes. So he's not pouting, but, I mean, he's, of course, the highest-paid player on the team, so that's the problem. And Drogic comes. When you're your two highest-paid players on the team coming off the bench, that's where the problem comes. And then uh, Deion Waiters sets, comes in and runs the point. I mean, they play 10 players. The Raptors play 10 players. And then they lose by uh, 21 points. I mean, they were in the game, and then they take Wade out. The thing was that they had Wade and Drogic playing well, and then they bring them out of the game, and that's when the lead went from like 7 or 8 to 20, and that was a disaster. But uh, an Olenek, who had been playing great for them, shot 0 for 8. Crazy. It's, <laughs> it's just like they've been trying now for 66 games to try to figure out a lineup and a rotation to make this work, and the only thing that people saw in the game is Damon Jones had that dunk, this amazing, it wasn't even a dunk where they, they threw the ball up on a fast break with like two minutes to go in the game, and he did dunk it he just like threw it in the rim he's up so high and that's what everybody <laughs> showed but I, it's a, I love going to American Airlines Arena this stadium I, every time I've been to so many stadiums I love this arena we sat the first time I ever sat on the loge at the first level they have waitress service there it was great because I took my parents so they didn't have to walk up and down the stairs so much and it was it was really really nice to sit there I, the arena is nice and bright I love the fact you can look outside and see the water and the sun uh, and it's uh, it's just a great arena to go to the game I loved I love going to games there. You know, Ira, I've never been to the AAA. Lived here for 10 years. It's, I know that sounds I'm really I'm taking bad. you next year to a game. <laughs> well, you know, I've only been to one basketball game ever. I went to a Knicks game at the Garden. So at least I got to see the Garden uh, in a basketball scenario. But yeah, I just never made it down to the AAA. Um, the East is interesting, Ira, because you got the top two teams, obviously Milwaukee and Toronto, fighting it out. Then you've got the next three that are fighting it out. And then you've got everybody else kind of fighting for that eight seat. Yeah, it's a weird. The Bucks and the Milwaukee and Toronto are going to be one of the top two seeds, and then the Sixers, Pacers, and Celtics. What they're trying to do is you don't want to be you don't want a Sixer, Pacers, Celtic three, four, five, like four and five where they have to play in the first round. Um, and it looks though like the Pacers are finally going back. So they'll be like the fifth seed and then the Sixers and the Celtics will be three or four. And then you're going to have great semifinals between those four. It'll probably be Sixers and Celtics, Milwaukee and Toronto, some order playing in those semi. That's going to be a great, great Eastern Conference semifinals. But the Pistons are hanging in there. The Nets are hanging in there. And then of course we talked about the Heat, Magic and Charlotte, the only ones left. Let's talk about the West because um, it's a little bit of the same. You got, you know, Golden State in the 
Nuggets at the top. I don't think anyone thinks the Nuggets are going to hang on, but then you have Golden State go out and lose to Phoenix. So uh, how do you think, you know, how does this look and what do you think is going to happen? It's weird. In the West, Golden State and Denver, one and two, of course. And then everyone else is sort of within a few games of each other. The Rockets, Thunder, Blazers, Jazz, Spurs, and Clippers. I said last two weeks in the show, I said, boy, this is going to be great. LeBron, you know, you're going to get some excitement at the end of the regular season. We're not just going to watch the NCAA tournament. It's going to be fun to see the end of the regular season because LeBron's going to try to get into the tournament, get into, I mean, the playoffs. And then they proceed to go. They've been 3-11 and on the last 14 games. They're now 30-36. and Last year, the Lakers were 30-36. and On Monday night, they lost to the Clippers. So this is the team that they had to capture. And the Clippers have, of course, no players at all. They lost 113 to 105. Then the next, then, then on uh, uh, the next night, they come out Wednesday night, they play the Nuggets. They lose 115-99 at home. So they lost 16 at home. And then, of course, on Saturday, the Celtics come in and beat them by 13. And then they're announced that Brandon Ingram has an injury. His sort of a, a blood clot issue in his shoulder, which is very could be very serious. Hopefully it's not. So Brandon Ingram's out for the rest of the year. Lonzo Ball is out for the rest of the year. LeBron is on a minutes restriction. And people are booing him in Los Angeles and that's the problem so now it's a whole mess and everything is totally exploded in Los Angeles you want to talk a little bit more about that I mean you can't talk about the NBA right now without talking about um, for lack of a better word the dumpster fire and the circus that's happening in LA how much of this are you putting on LeBron right now you know I'm sure you heard the comment Jeff Van Gundy coming out and saying they should try to trade LeBron which is obviously not going to happen but who should shoulder the blame here magic the young guys LeBron well, I think one. I think there are a couple of things. One is the bringing in Stevenson and Rondo. I mean, LeBron clearly needs cannot be the best shooter on the team. They needed to do what the Cavaliers did, which was to surround him with shooters. That's yeah. the goal, and that's what the to put all these players on the team that are just drivers and slashers. That doesn't allow you can't just have LeBron out there shooting the balls. LeBron doesn't like playing with young players. They should have got rid of these players earlier. There should have been a way to, to to figure that out because clearly LeBron does not want to play with any of these young players at all, and that was a mistake. So, but Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson made a mistake, and I think when they made that trade for Anthony Davis that's where I mean at one point in the season on December 25th they were like the fourth seed and they were talking about they beat Golden State that's when LeBron got hurt but right before that they were talking about making this trade for Anthony Davis and all these players we traded and that's when they started like well I thought we're a part of the future we're in the fourth seed why mm-hmm. should why should you want to trade us and it's all these mind games and LeBron has played these mind games with his teams before oh, he loves it and he loves doing it and it's, it's always somehow worked out and this year it didn't and it, and it's and it's 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 bad and and the problem LeBron is like in Cleveland everyone loved him even when he came back it's like oh we have LeBron no one would ever criticize him and in Miami you saw how I mean he's beloved that when he came Mm -hmm. down here it was unbelievable they used to have curtains on the top level of the American Airlines arena curtains so there was no room now that after he came then even now with no stars at all Dwayne Wade but even last year when Wade wasn't playing they they, it's it's sold out all the time the point is that LeBron though is in a town now where people are like what have you done for the Lakers like you've done nothing you haven't won any titles for us and we have Kobe and we have Magic and we have other players that have won for us and you haven't done anything I don't care how great you are it's not I don't care what movie you made I don't care anything they care what you've done as a Laker and he's done nothing he's 30 and 36 and that's where the fans are booing him and that's going to be a problem 736 it's Ira on sports this is 95.9 the true oldies channel I'm Mike Balsamo Doug Plagan's voice of the Florida Panthers joins us in uh, just about five minutes or so 
Um, let's talk about the Thunder. This is a team I, I didn't think were going to look that good this year, Ira, and I, I really never liked Westbrook, but but the, the combination of him and Paul George is doing pretty well. Wow, that's the other thing. The Lakers weren't willing to trade all their young players last year for Paul George. And Paul he George should be the MVP. Yeah. And now Paul George is, if you put Paul George with LeBron, look what would have happened. Yeah. And they weren't willing to make that trade. He goes to the Thunder. He likes playing. He likes playing with Westbrook. And that's the other problem that LeBron, that Anthony Davis wants to play with him, but LeBron seemed to can't recruit any free agents. Whereas Russell Westbrook, who Everyone said is selfish, selfish, selfish. Paul George wanted to play with him, and now he's having the best year, of course, of his career, and the Thunder are playing great. And they they beat Portland 129-121 in overtime. It was a great game. George had 32 points, Westbrook 37, and Damian Lillard, the point guard for Portland, at 51. But it was that those are very good. I mean, that's it's a foreshadowing what the tournament with the playoffs are going to be. But that was a great game. Damian Lillard has to be considered too. I mean, he's not going to win MVP by any means, but he's playing. He's having a really good season for them. Is it, is it, you know, we, we went into this season saying, well, there's no way that LeBron doesn't make the playoffs. I'm sure everyone thought that. But it, let's talk about the Warriors. Do you think that there's a chink in the armor here that, that maybe the Warriors aren't just destined to, to roll over everybody again? Because I do. Well, at the beginning of the week, they play. I, I stopped what I was doing. I went to watch the game. The Warriors played the Celtics. And the Warriors got blown out by 33 points at home to the Celtics. And I'm like, wow. I mean, that was unbelievable. Then they came back on Friday night. It was a major game. The Warriors played Denver. Denver one and two. And the Warriors came and they played a great game, winning 122 to 105. 17 points wasn't even close. So you're like, okay, the Warriors, when they want to win a game, when they need to win a game, they won it. Then last night, I wanted to watch that game because I'm interested. The Suns have been playing really, really well. The Warriors were favored by 18 points. The Warriors end up losing the game by four. And it was in the last 20 years, the, the uh, largest point spread difference, 18, that had under dog actually won outright the game uh the most missed threes in a game by curry and thompson 22 um and it was a complete disaster after the game uh there's a video of uh steve kerr calling out draymond green saying i'm tired of him and they're whatever and then uh, clay thompson yeah. said the fans weren't into the game uh, kevin durant twisted his ankle with six minutes to go and got hurt if he stayed if he didn't go out of the game he probably would have stayed it was it looks like it's a minor injury but you know it's that's why everyone said when they signed cousins everyone said oh this is gonna be they're gonna win they're gonna win they're gonna win but you never know. It's basketball. The season's a long, long season, and that's why it's exciting. I love the NBA playoffs, and I, I just wish they started like now. <laughs> well, you know, it's basketball's been less interesting for me the past few years with LeBron in the East, and just it being that foregone conclusion that you're going to see the Warriors versus LeBron wherever he is. This is the first year in what four years where we really don't know. And you know, like you said, the way Houston's playing, the way Oklahoma City can turn it on at any given moment, Ira. I don't know. I think anybody can come out of this at this point. Right at this point, if the Warriors don't play, I, I still think the Warriors are the favorite. Everyone thinks they can flip the switch, but um, they've shown problems and they're not playing well. And they're and it's just they don't have the bench like they used to have. But Curry, they still have Curry, they still have Durant, they still have Clay Thompson. I mean, they <laughs> should win. But the Rockets are fine. Rockets played poorly begin the year, but the last the Rockets beat the Raptors by uh, by um, 12 points, and then they beat the Sixers by 16 points. So they had two really big wins. The Rockets are playing really well. Chris Paul is playing great basketball for them in, in addition to Harden. So it's going to be – I love the playoffs. I love this great – I think the East, you have those four teams. When it gets to the semifinals, that will be great to watch. And hopefully the Heat somehow get in and maybe they can pull a surprise. Just about a minute till we get to Doug Plagans of the Florida Panthers. Ira, what are you watching out for this week? Because the Warriors, this is not going to be an easy week. No, this is exciting because, I mean, you got you got – one more week and then the play then the NCAA tournament starts and then it's sort of like people don't focus it much on the NBA but the Rockets play the Warriors on Wednesday and the Rock Warriors play the Thunder on Saturday so the Warriors have really two big games they could they, I mean they could lose the number one seed if they could lose these games and Denver would take it from them but the Rockets Warriors Wednesday night should be really exciting 
95.9, the true oldies channel. You're listening to Iron Sports. I'm Mike Balsamo. Time to bring in Doug Plagans. He's your Florida Panthers radio play-by-play announcer. Doug, uh, thank you so much for taking the time out to join us tonight. No problem. Thanks for having me. Doug, this team, I, I'm a Ranger fan. I'll preface it by that. But, you know, I've been in South Florida for a decade. I just love, uh, I love the Panthers. They're my number two. This team has had more heartbreaking losses in one season than I've ever seen. A few less unlucky bounces, and their record would look totally different. Well, the uh, the Panthers have played a lot of close games lately, and that's kind of a theme, not just, uh, I mean, that hasn't been a, a theme lately for the Panthers. It's kind of a theme across the whole National Hockey League this time of the year when the points become that much more magnified and the races really heat up, you see the games really come down to one goal here and there. It seems like every night, and you see so many of them also go past regulation time. And, of course, the Panthers have had certainly their share of games that have gone to overtime and shootouts lately. And Panthers have been playing at a a great pace. You look at these last 11-12 games, you measure that out over an entire season, and that's, uh, that's about a 100-point pace that uh, that they're playing at here. But looking to make a surge here, coming off two really good wins Friday and Sunday, which, of course, was a, a big response to a, a tough one in Boston back on uh, on Thursday night. But the Panthers coming off back-to-back win and combined to score 12 goals over those two games and uh, certainly have given themselves some good momentum going on to what's going to be a challenging road trip coming up. They're going to head out west to California later in the week. So, uh, again, the Panthers clicking offensively, uh, really clicking in all facets of the game and and uh, looking to uh, turn that into some success when they uh, go out west here. Absolutely, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But, Doug, I mean, is there a player as hot in the league right now as Alexander Barkov? He's just so fun to watch, and congratulations, got his first ever 30-goal season. His first 30-goal season, he's coming up on uh, matching his career high in points. He's been on fire lately, and his line mate, Jonathan Huberto, was just named uh, the NHL's top star of the week today. So uh, that just speaks volumes about how good that line specifically has been lately. Evgeny Dadunov had a three-point game a couple of games back against the Wild as well on Friday, and those three have just been going along at, the, at a great pace. But Alexander Barkov, he's just been so consistent all season long. This is the first of what's going to be many 30 goal seasons for him and uh, and again coming up on uh, on matching a career high in points he's uh, he's playing uh, more minutes than just about any forward in the National Hockey League his faceoff numbers uh, faceoff percentage up around 54% he's uh, he's one of the best defensive forwards in in the game as well just a, a great two-way player and he's done a, a great job in his first season wearing the C on his jersey for the Panthers, but uh, career high in, in goals, 30 goals on the season. Again, that's going to be the first of many 30-goal seasons for Alexander Barkov. And, uh, and again, he's just doing a great job leading the way for this Panthers team. And his uh, one of his line mates, Jonathan Huberto, those two have great chemistry together, and that's helped uh, Jonathan Huberto get some really nice recognition uh, from uh, from the NHL as well this week. Absolutely. You know, Barkov's one of the young players that uh, we all know here in South Florida, but I, I got to admit, I didn't know much about young goalie Sam Montembault. Just got a second career start on Friday versus what was a scorching hot uh, Minnesota Wild team. Picked up a huge win there. Gave him another start on Sunday. Picked up another big win versus the Red Wings. What can you tell us about Sam? Sam Montembault is a very athletic young goaltender. He's a second-year professional uh, for the Panthers here, and he's just a uh, Again, a guy who's come in here, second-year pro. He was a third-round pick of the Panthers. Actually, really fun to see him not only pick up his first win at the BB&T Center back on uh, on Friday night. He's won back-to-back games, of course, his last two starts, but made his first career start uh, the week 
the, the Saturday before he picked up that uh, that first win. And fun to see him do all that at the BB&T Center because he was drafted at the BB&T Center, just to take you back uh, <laughs> a little bit. He was picked in that 2015 draft in the third round by the Panthers, and that draft, of course, was held at uh, the BB&T Center in Sunrise. And to see him be able to make his debut, pick up his first couple of wins, on home ice, really special, and I know the guys are really excited for him. Picked up twenty, he had twenty five saves in that game against the uh, the Wild back on Friday. And I think specifically, you look at that game. Um, even though he got uh, a lot of a lot of run support, if you will, over those two games, the Panthers put six goals on the board Friday and Sunday. Um, you look at the game specifically against the Wild back on Friday. 25 saves, and some of those were very big saves, highlight reel saves early in the hockey game when the game was either scoreless or the Panthers had uh, you know a one goal lead early on. And um, you know when you get uh, when he comes out and, and makes a couple of saves like that, you can tell that it really gave the Panthers uh, something to build on. Really gave them uh, the momentum in that hockey game, and and uh, they were able to because of that, because of the offensive outburst they had in those two games, get leads early and never look back. Doug, this is Ira. Thanks a lot for coming on, on my show. Um, a couple weeks ago, you guys played at Vegas, and uh, I've spent a lot of time in Vegas and, and seen what's happened to the hockey team there in the nights and the popularity. Talk a little bit about the, the arena and about just the whole atmosphere when you played there, what, what it's like. Oh, it's uh, it's it's a really fun place to go. Um, you know, obviously, you go to Las Vegas, and you you know you expect to see a show. And uh, you know, when you go to a a game there, no different. They're doing a great job. The the atmosphere is just fantastic. It's it's very loud in there. Um, you know, and they've uh, they've done a good job there. And and the uh, the game presentation there at uh, at T-Mobile Arena. I know you've probably seen it on TV. They have some some really uh, elaborate shows, and and that's what you'd expect to see in uh, in Las Vegas. But again, always a fun place to go, and uh, and it's. It's been a, a real nice uh, story for the for the National Hockey League to to see not only uh, you know not only a new team come in and uh, and have that kind of success, but to see a, a market really uh, really embrace the team the, the way that it has. It's it's been very exciting, and uh, and I know we've being in different conferences. We we went out there once last year. We made our trip out there this year, and and it was. That was uh, unfortunately the Panthers fell short in that game, but it was uh, it was a heck of a hockey game that had a little bit of everything in it, and um, you know it's it's just been uh, it's been great to see uh, it's been great to see that market really embrace the sport of hockey, and and it looks like uh, you know it's going to be a strong market for many years. And you mentioned earlier about the about overtime and the shootouts, and hockey's changed in terms of how they're conducting it. The three on threes going to shootouts, the different this year. Um, how what do you think the effect of the games are? How do you like the new rules? Um, just talk about general about it's it's pretty exciting i mean to see they go to three and three and then just go right to the shootout the uh well i first of all the three on three overtime is just outstanding if you if you haven't seen three on three overtime yet uh you know hopefully hopefully you get a chance to check it out soon anybody tuned in out there but i was actually still broadcasting in the american hockey league in cleveland the year that they adopted three-on-three overtime in the AHL. They tried it for a season in the AHL before they started implementing it in the National Hockey League. And I remember when when they adopted it in the AHL and it kind of got its uh, trial run, um, it was you know you could tell then it was it was just unbelievable and the uh, the speed and the skill that's on display and and everything uh, in those three-on-three overtimes it was you could tell it was something that uh, fans were just going to love 
It's been adopted in the National Hockey League. I think, uh, you know, the reviews have just been very positive. I know fans have, have really enjoyed it. It's been fun to see as the seasons have gone on the way that, uh, you know, players have have adapted to it and, and the way coaches have, uh, you know, kind of developed strategies in the three-on-three overtimes. But I think the biggest thing, the players in the, in the, in the NHL today are – faster and more skilled especially offensively than ever and when you get all that open ice out there and coaches are able to you know throw out uh, three of their most skilled offensively talented players and you get those guys matched up against the the most skilled players on the other team you know you're going to get you're going to get some highlight reel not only goals but you're going to get some highlight reel saves from the goaltenders as well and it's just it's just end-to-end full speed it's just spectacular and and again if anybody out there hasn't had a chance to see three on three overtime I, hopefully you get a chance to see it soon and then one final question for me is um tampa bay suddenly is looking like the golden state warriors of uh, the nhl uh, having this great regular season we understand that regular season success doesn't translate into postseason success all the time but uh what do you what do you see from this tampa bay team that why they're so successful this year well, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we've had a chance to see them uh, four times this year. They've just—they're uh, just a very deep and very balanced team. And and I think the other thing you see from that team, you know, it's a, there are a lot of guys there that, that have uh, that have been playing together for a while. And yeah. um, you know, they've got great goaltending and Andre Vasilevsky. They've got uh, really solid defense led by. Victor Hedman, he's one of the best in the game. And then offensively, uh, Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Braden Point. I mean, they've got just a, a very deep group of forwards and, and a lot of guys that, uh, that have been there, you know, been, uh, been teammates together for a while. And, um, you know, they, they roll all the, uh, all the lines and you just see the, the depth that they have. And, um, you know, they've, they've had a heck of a run here in the regular season. We'll see how things go. Uh, down the stretch and, and when they move into the playoffs. But, uh, but you know, the, a lot of the teams that, uh, that have had success, uh, you know, earlier in the decade, you look at teams like Chicago and Los Angeles who won cups, uh, you know, 10, 10 or so over the last 10 or so years. Um, you know, they have those, those core groups of players that were, that were brought along. In Tampa Bay, they've had a core group of players that's been brought along. And, and you look at, uh, you know, you look at a team like the, uh, like the Panthers here that is really just, uh, you know, scratching the, the surface here with some of the young players that, uh, that they've, that they brought in and drafted and developed here. Guys like, like Barkov, like Huberdo, Ekblad, Matheson, you go right down the list, Vincent Trocek. Um, you know, this, that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, how you, how you build that success is when you bring along that young core. And Tampa Bay's done that, and the Panthers looking to uh, looking to as the, as their young players continue to grow together, looking to to build the same kind of core. We're speaking with Doug Plagans here, Ira on Sports. He's your Florida Panthers radio play-by-play announcer. Um, Doug, like you said, speaking of down the stretch, there's still time left in this season. What do you think it's going to take for the Panthers to make the playoffs? Well, for the Panthers, uh, they've been playing great hockey. Yeah, they, they just have. need to continue to stay in the moment, take it day by day, and uh, and just focus on each individual game. And you know, you, Bob Bugner, the Panthers' head coach, the other day, he said, you know, you go out, you string together some wins here down the stretch, and, and you see what happens. There's still certainly time, um, you know, for the Panthers to to make a charge. And they have uh, shown here over these last couple of weeks the way they've been picking up points, and and uh, you know, especially over these last couple of games, the way they've been scoring goals. That, uh, that they can really make a run here at this thing. So there is still some time, and, uh, and if the Panthers can just stay in the moment, go out there, focus on each individual game, and and, uh, and catch fire here, there's you know there's no telling what can happen. They can certainly 
still make a charge and, and get into one of those wild card spots in the Eastern Conference. Doug, before I let you go, it's hard to believe there's only five games left for the Panthers at the BB&T Center. If we'd like single game tickets or maybe a book a group outing, how do we do that? Well, if you want tickets to the uh, to any Panthers game, 954-835-PUCK. You can call up, talk to one of our ticket representatives, and, uh, and set up something that, that works for you, whether you want to come out with a group or you're looking for single-game tickets. You can also go to floridapanthers.com or, uh, or of course, ticketmaster.com. Those are three good avenues to uh, find your Panthers tickets. So 954-835-PUCK, whether it's just uh, you who wants to come out or you want to bring out a, a whole group of your friends, um, you know, they can they can set something up that works for you or FloridaPanthers.com to buy your tickets or to get more information or, of course, Ticketmaster.com. We hope to see everybody out there very soon. Doug Plagan to the Florida Panthers. Thank you so much for stopping by Ira on Sports. 95.9, the true oldies channel at 752. And Ira, we got to be one of the first media outlets reporting this. Breaking news out of Miami. What's going on? I just saw where Conor McGregor was arrested for uh, breaking someone's cell phone. So down in Miami Beach, uh, yes. I mean, if you have your cell phone, and I'm sure what was happening is like that's what's happening. People try to take pictures, and the celebrities don't want their pictures taken, and then they break the picture. But it's not a good move on a. Uh, you shouldn't do that. There, I don't think there's many people in sports who give a, a crap less than <laughs> Conor McGregor. What happens to him? He's an interesting character. Uh, so that's some breaking news uh, right out of here in South Florida. Um, I a great interview with Doug Plagan of the uh, Florida Panthers. Let's shift gears, though, to um, golf, because not only are we going to uh, have what's considered the fifth major uh, right up in Ponte Vedra Beach next weekend, but Bay Hill's in the books, and very quietly, Francesco Molinari is having a really good run at golf. Yeah, I mean, he has now won four times in nine months. Uh, Molinari won this. He started 10 groups behind. Uh, he finished at 4 o'clock, so like two hours before the leaders did. And he had a 12-stroke lead. He shot a 64 his final round. And remember the Quicken Loans one where he was in contention with Tiger, and Tiger finished third in that um, and and uh, last year, and he shot a 62. So if you have Molinari in a final round, uh, and he also won the British Open, but he sank a 45-put putt on 18 with the with the flag sticking because put now and keep mm-hmm. the flag in and uh so that was exciting but it was he's this guy's great i mean and if you look at the leaderboard you had uh, matthew fitzpatrick uh, uh cabrera bello uh tommy fleetwood mcelroy i mean all these europeans that were at the top of the leaderboard it looked like a, a rider cup almost uh mcelroy again he was in the final group he's been in the final group three of the last five tournaments he shot just shot an even par and, and finished eight under with the leader at 12 but you're you know and afterwards he wasn't upset even he goes look i am playing good golf I'm going to get this. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's someone who probably might have a master's. In it. I mean, he would be one of the favorites. He's playing really well. He's just not getting that final round and doing. I saw him at the uh, Genesis and the same problem where he didn't have a really good final round. It's kind of yeah. It's kind of been his uh, his mo for the past few years, and that's why he's not what we saw what four years ago when he burst onto the scene. Um, getting really excited. I love. Uh, 17 at Sawgrass. It's the probably the most iconic hole in golf, and it's where the uh, players is this week. Yeah, I was there last year. I went to two days. Um, Good it's, course to walk, right? Because it's set up stadium stuff. It's correct? a great tournament. First of all, you drive up there. We talk about parking in all these tournaments. They have huge parking lots around the the golf tournament. The golf tournaments you can park, walk right in. They don't have to worry about be busted or anything like that. And it's a great. You see most of the holes. It's all stadium seating, so you can sit around in the stadium. It means not like in a stadium, but you're on. The it's, it's it's meant so you don't the the uh, holes are not high like at the when I was at Shinnecock 
you couldn't even see mm-hmm. any of the holes because they're they're raised whereas this is down low and everyone sits around it and watches it it's a great tournament to watch iconic holes and you have the best field every golfer's there except for phil mickelson said he's missed the cut five of the last six years so he's not going to be there but you really have almost every single golfer it's a great field um and uh, it's the first time this year that all the good golfers will be together it's they've been sort of missing Usually each other it's a Honda, yeah. and this is uh this is the one where it is it's going to be very exciting and tiger said he's raring to go he missed last week but he but he said he feels 100 percent. so uh and he and he's played well in this tournament so it'll be great this could be another great run for tiger it's 756 just about four minutes to go here on ira on sports on the true oldies channel ira I'm already deep in baseball. I know you're not a fantasy baseball guy, but I'm already doing the draft prep. I'm ready to go for the season to start, and it all gets kicked off with spring um, with uh, spring training, and we do that all over South Florida. You saw a game this week. I went to see the Red Sox and the Nationals uh, at the ballpark of the Palm Beaches, the one on 45th Street, and uh, it was very interesting. The Red Sox brought nobody. I mean, everybody came there to see the Red Sox, and they had J.D. Martinez. That was about it. Um, they didn't bring any. Most of the, none of their other starting players came uh, from from the other side of the state uh but it was it was interesting scherzer pitched for the nationals and i wanted to see how and he pitched three really good innings he's leading one nothing but in the fourth he was he gave up two runs left the bases bases loaded and then the red sox just <laughs> hammered him the red sox looked like they're playing the dodgers last year in the game they were just home run after home run and and, and the nationals on defense it was funny when you go to spring training games you see balls getting dropped and they're so nice they don't even give them errors but like they hit it directly to the center fielder drops the ball i mean there was so many errors in spring training but they never column errors but you don't see that during the regular season no you don't and spring training is just a weird thing to me because you never you know people get uh, over invested in some of the stat lines whereas you don't you don't know the pitching coach might have went out there and told Scherzer throw 19 curveballs in a row we want to see the curve you know what I mean so you like I, I always get people over uh, overreact I think to, to certain things in spring training but you have to get to spring training is anyone who has to go to these games I'm telling them don't treat it like a normal you have to get there early because they all leave like th- by the fifth or sixth inning there's nobody they're all wearing they don't even have jersey numbers they have like 99 mm-hmm. they're the last I mean their players they're back like in their hotel rooms by the seventh yeah. inning so you have to get to these games early to see. Tell us about Fit Team if we haven't been there. Um, <laughs> the Fit Team Park, that's what they call the park. It's I like the stadium a lot. It's very nice. They don't the food the food is terrible. I don't understand why they don't have more food offerings there. But it's a one. It's only one story, and they Roger have on Dean's the second is great floor. For that. The second, yeah, Roger Dean's much better. And the second, they have a second story, but it's more sweets. And but you don't want to sit so far down the line. I don't think those seats are very good. I sat behind the dugout. I hate the net. I hate sitting behind the net. But it was like still an okay seat. And then behind home plate is good. But it was. Uh, it, I like the stadium. The parking is a problem. Not the parking isn't such that the problem. It's getting into the parking lot. The entrances. There's. It's very hard because you're on. The 45th street so there's there's also it's traffic by besides having the stadium there yeah. and so like i gave myself plenty of time and i i missed the first half inning which i said never missed the first half inning and, and i did <laughs> you got just about a minute to go what's happening in tennis um indian wells is the is a really big tournament it's that and the, it's the precursor for the miami open besides the u.s open these three these two tournaments are the biggest tournaments in america um americans men are doing terrible in it this is in palm springs they've only had one player in the final 32 john isner tfo fritz sangram a pick Donald Young uh, lost in the first round. Uh, Donaldson and Curry lost in the second round. Djokovic and Nadal and Federer are still in. It looks like it's going to be Nadal and Federer uh, in the semis if they play, and then they would play Djokovic. So it's a great tournament. Uh, Serena pulled out. So from the women's side, not as exciting. Venus is still there. But for the men's, you definitely have to watch Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer. Ira, before we wrap it up, next week, we got your bracket figured out for you. Tell us why. 
Um, we're going to have Mikey Zelino on talking about the brackets come out on Sunday night. So everyone, all these teams that you're nervous about who all these different teams are, we'll try to give some advice. I mean, I've been following college basketball all year, so I think I have some good suggestions. And Mike Zelino is a good friend of the show. We can't wait for him to pop by. Again, we want to thank so much Doug Plagans. He's your radio voice of the Florida Panthers for popping in. He was a great interview as always. Ira, where are you headed this week? I hopefully am going to watch it. Go to one of the Heat games and then also go to players for a day. It sounds like uh, sounds like it's going to be fun. We are just about out of time though. On behalf of Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Friday night. Ira on sports. <laughs>